The first surprise was the grass. In Croke Park, it hisses. There must be some sort of pumping system underneath the pitch to suck out excess moisture. The next surprise was something one of the teams did before the match. The players stood in a tight circle, shoulder to shoulder. It looked dramatic. Peer over the shoulders and you see one player in the middle of the circle. He's down on one knee. It looks as if he's praying before the game. But as you look down, you see that he has the leg of his shorts hiked up and he's relieving himself. The circle of players is hiding him from the crowd and the TV cameras. I was probably the only person surprised at these things in Croke Park that day, being probably the only non-sports fan there. But I was there because I was intrigued by one of the two teams on the pitch. This was an All-Ireland club final and one of the teams you'd expect to be there. They're from Kerry, they have big county names playing for them, they have a history of mastery. The other team though is a mystery. They're a team from a tiny club in Derry that a year ago were hardly heard of but are now the talk of the GAA world and beyond. Because not only did our men's football team win Ulster and get here to the All-Ireland Final in Croke Park, but their hurling team won Ulster and their camogie team won Ulster too. So at the beginning of 2017, this tiny club had three teams on the road to Croke Park. Unheard of, it seems. The club is called Slockneil, by the way. The word about Slockneil's success really started to spread at the end of January 2017 when the women from Slockneil won their semi-final against the Munster champions, Burgess Duhara. In the Camogie All-Ireland Senior Club semi-finals, Duhara 3-6, Slockneil 3-8. So Slockneil advancing after their incredible year that they are having. Slockneil people seemed as surprised as anyone. In the last five minutes, I was, I was scary. Like we were only leading by two points, and I seen the ball coming down a couple of times, and I was just thinking to myself, "This is going to be a goal, and they're going to win by a point." There's very few Slough Neil games you go to, and five minutes to go, you're going home because you're winning by a bagful, or you can beat by a bagful. It's usually ten minutes to go, and you're looking for a set of rosy beats. But despite their humility, Slock Neil are obviously good at what they do, very good. And that's what's intriguing about them, because the reasons Slock Neil are so good are not all to do with sport. There are issues of death, politics and even poetry. And by the way, that scene with the genuflecting player, that scene of togetherness and intimacy with everyone looking on, there'll be another scene like that at the end of the match, at the end of this documentary, a scene of intimacy and togetherness, but this time, everyone will be looking away. But when the documentary begins, everyone is looking towards Slough Neil. It's a small rural club in an area with about 300 houses, roughly about six miles square in East County Derry. This seems like an ideal GAA community story, much loved by ourselves in the media, the GAA and sponsors. But you have to beware of telling GAA community stories because what makes a community is not always fixed. For example, the bank that supports communities by sponsoring this competition is also closing branches across Northern Ireland, including one down the road from Slough Neil. And the people of Slough Neil's own story about their community is fluid. As you'll hear, the version they tell doesn't always chime with reality. But that's all for later. For now, we're on a journey through the winter months of 2017 alongside a fascinating group of people from Slockneil JA Club as their three teams, hurling, football and camogie, emerge from Ulster and try to get to Crook Park. And the 
the first leg of this journey is to visit the village of Slochneil in East County Derry. Except the thing is, you can't. You drive around the hills and lanes and realise it's not there. There is no village of Slochneil. The area is about halfway between Belfast and Derry. Oh, and no one here calls it London Derry. Never. I don't think there's any London in Derry, but here, Julie, <laughs> nah, I think that's over in, the, over in England, so it is. <laughs> the area is at the foot of a mountain, Carn Tucker, or the Carn Mountain, part of the Sperrins, but there's no cluster of houses with a sign saying Slough Neil, no church or pub nearby. The nearest town is Swatra. There, there's Mass on in the church. Lord, Mary, do you know anything about Slough Neil? Do they have a, sure they don't have a shop or anything up there? Ah, they don't have a grocery shop or anything, but... Don't think so. We're from this end of the parish. Yes. Slachnail are big rivals. Yes, exactly. Are they? Uh-huh. So you don't talk to people in Slachnail, do you? Oh, no, they're the salt, <laughs> the salt of the earth. The, salt <laughs> the mother of the captain's on there. Oh, is she? Yes, yes. She has a black jacket on her, kneeling at the back of the chapel. Okay. She's Cassie McEldowney, the mother of Francis McEldowney. A group of women come out of the church. A couple of them have Slachnail GA tracksuit no, tops on. I have two sons on the panel as well. Oh, okay. I, I'm Brenton and Rory. Is this the football now or the hurling? This is the football. football. Oh, my football. What's your name? My name's Rosemary McEldowney. Is there anybody who's not a McEldowney up in Slackville? <laughs> no, most <laughs> people are. These women say their jobs, their careers, are to focus on their children and their children's sports. Oh, we're just housewives, housewives really. But it's Don't the say bo- just. You'll get in such <laughs> trouble for saying just. Honestly. <laughs> just housewives, but all we do is really... But it's, no, but we keep is to keep, keep them young men and women. Can I ask you a question? I drove through the area and there's no centre to the area. There's no... You, there's oh, no, no, we have nothing. We have nothing. <laughs> but but you, club that we changing rooms. Changing we're just the the town We're the front of the Mountain. I'm on a rise in the Derry countryside and it's seven o'clock in the evening, but it's the middle of winter, so everywhere is in darkness, except right down in the middle, in the middle of the, the black countryside is something that you might see in a James Bond movie. It, there's several pylons, but six or eight pylons with lights on them, floodlights on them, lighting up a small area. And that is, of course, the Slocknields JA Club brightly lit in the middle of this rural darkness and it's the only place giving off any light. This is where the light is coming from. It's a huge white generator at the edge of one of the club's four pitches. Lads, let's go as quick as you can! Tonight the lights are shining down on the football team who are training. In a few days, they'll be hoping to do what the Camogie players have done. They hope to win their semi-final against the Leinster champions and get into the All-Ireland final in Croke Park. Ten seconds, all right, you're doing press-ups. Standing watching the training session is John Joe Carney, one of the football management team. It's the only pitch you have was lights that you can't play a game on. So obviously the Camogues are using it, the hurlers are using it, the footballers are using it, so it's pretty well abused. John Joe's in his 70s, but he looks really fit. But then again, he played for the club until his mid-40s. Back then, playing for a GAA club in this part of Ireland marked you out as an enemy for loyalists. And GAA people died because of their sport. 
Chancho recalls one man in nearby Balahi who was shot dead while locking up the club one night, Sean Brown. Even though troubles are settled, you know, you wouldn't want to be closing up the club here just in your own at night after what happened to Sean Brown. Would you not? Well, you still think about him. He was left on his own that night to sort of lock up and close the place up and them boys were waiting on him. Almost all the players here are too young to remember the troubles. For them, it's the sport. And a few of them have really made an effort to be here tonight, travelling back for over an hour from Belfast or Derry, where they're working or studying. Fortunately for Slough Neil JA, though, most of its players work in the area, like Porrick Kelly. He's a construction foreman. He's 38, and he says he's been coming to the club for 37 and a half of those years, back when the place was a lot less developed. Oh, this here is an old plant, an old scrog of a place, you know. What does scrog mean? Scrog, because I got there down there, it's nice, just overgrew with trees and uh, sort of wet, you know. And do you have children yourself? Me, I have three, yeah. Uh, three young cutties. Young fellas, are they? Cutties. What's it Girls. Cutty? Yeah. Is it girl? Three young cutties, yeah. Where did that word come from? Oh, no idea. <laughs> old slang word, I don't know. And, is it, and do they play at all? Oh, uh, well, they're just starting, you know, on their sixes. They've right. done the six camogie now, so... And do you have to drive them out of the house or are they happy to go? Oh, they're happy enough, eh? Oh, they're happy enough. It's only on over the summer, so they're wild enough to get out, you know, to net and dancing and different things. Porrick answers the question I'm asking everyone here. Why this year? Why in 2017 have the Slock Neil teams done so well? Porrick says a lot of it is the players. They have a cohort of new players who are just particularly talented. For a long time, we're, it was the same faces. No, no real men coming through, through one thing and another, but we're stronger mix now, I feel. Where did they all come from? Where did the new players come from? They were born. <laughs> <laughs> and the Slocknail JA Club isn't just a place to welcome newborns. It's also a place where those at the end of life get a send-off. Families would return after funerals for refreshments. You know, every aspect of your life, be it the joys or the sadder times, the community is there for you. This is Colette. She's from the Cairn Centre, which is just across the fields from Slocknail JA Club. When the locals tell you that there's nothing here but a club and sheep and the mountain, that's not quite true. The Cairn Centre sits between a neenery and an all-Irish primary school. The centre itself has a post office, a gift shop, holiday cottages, meeting rooms and a theatre. So this is where we would have our jiving and our pilates and our concerts. Colette is showing me around, but she can't dawdle. She's making plans to travel to see her son play for Slough Neil on Saturday. This is where Colette is coming to, Newry, to see the Slough Neil footballers play St Vincent's from Dublin. It's February 11th, 2017. The winners here today will get into the All-Ireland final. If it's Slough Neil, that means they'll have a camogie team and a football team in the All-Irelands. Easier said than done. The St Vincent's footballers are formidable and they have Dublin star Dermot Connolly playing uh, the for them. Toss out the moment between Chris O'Keeg and Dermot Connolly. Is... The Slough Neil supporters are pretty keyed up as they come into the ground. Uh, there's a map on the, on the Slough Neil Twitter site that says it all. They're talking about a tweet that's been put up on the Slough Neil Twitter feed. It's an aerial photograph from Google Maps. It shows aerial pictures of Slough Neil and St Vincent's clubs. Slough Neil is surrounded by empty fields. Vincent's are surrounded by Dublin streets. I'm sure a big club in Dublin. Huge population. The Slocknail supporters are pointing to this as an example of their size against the wealthier Vincent's. 
but they're ignoring the fact that Slocknail's isolation is its strength. Here's one example. The club made good money because they're out in the middle of the countryside in the 1980s. Then they ran a teen disco. It was popular with parents who were happy for their children to go to an isolated venue away from pubs and off-licences and where, it being a GAA club, they couldn't get into fights with the other side. So buses full of teenagers came from miles to the Slocknail discos and they were an important source of funding for the club. And then there's the welcome isolation you don't see in an aerial photo on Twitter. In the past, being in a GAA club like this was a refuge for nationalists feeling besieged. You may have been stopped by hostile army or police patrols on your way to the club, but once there, you were amongst your own. We've progressed okay. to what they are now. As if to underline that point, the next man I meet on the way into the ground in Newry is 90-year-old Patsy Cassidy. He was one of the founders of Slocknail, which was set up in the 1950s, when the IRA border campaign was at its height. And internment. The whole club was interned in 1957. Internment was putting people in jail without trial, a tactic of the Northern Irish government. How long were you interned for? Nine months. Two brothers and for three years and three and a half years. And the rest of the club's seminar and for three years. All in turn. No persecution, no nothing. Just in turn. Why did they pick on you? Pardon? Why did they pick on you? Ah, we're involved in Cayleys. You heard right. He said Cayleys. So what does today mean for you? Oh, uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's a while yet before kickoff, and out the back, behind the stand, the Slocknail footballers are gathered. As it has been this past wee while, we're a very relaxed group. There's a local newspaper reporter looking on. His name is Michael, but he's going to find it hard to be impartial as a reporter because his brother is the goalie for Slocknail. If you want to know why Slocknail are doing so well, Michael says that many people have an intense relationship with their club, so much so that they view their own area through the prism of the club. Yeah, I was, I was interviewing a young guy, Mark Heaney, the other day. He's going to Belgium to be a cyclist. and He lives right bang in the Gorton Year, which is the heartland of our parish. He's never played football or hurling. And the article hit the paper and all of a sudden a few people from the area texted me to say, God, I didn't know that guy existed. You know, so there probably is a small amount of people that aren't involved, but I'm sure if he's in Belgium at the minute, he'll be looking up Twitter to see how we're doing. With the footballers, Michael says there's also one other reason they're doing well this year. They've learned from their manager, Mickey Moran, one very important lesson. The first thing they think about with Slantley would probably be hot-headedness, but Mickey is very calm. I don't think we've got a book on him three years since Mickey's been manager. Remember that point about hot-headedness, because it's going to matter a whole lot in the last match in this documentary. The two football teams are out on the pitch. The All-Ireland Club semi-final is about to get underway. The Slocknail men's footballers have to emulate the Slocknail women on the Camogie team and get to Dublin for the club All-Ireland final. It may be a club game, but the national broadcasters are here. BBC, Radio Nagoltakta and RTE Radio 1. It's St Vincent's of Dublin playing Schlockneil of Derry. Here's Paddy Hunter. Christopher Bradley's opened the scoring for a confident-looking Schlockneil side here. Schlockneil start well and, incredibly, keep it up. What a score from Chrissy McKeague. St Vincent's fight back, but Schlockneil stay ahead. Six seconds left of additional time and the referee has 
Amazingly, Slochneil have won. They've beaten the Dublin super team, St Vincent's. It's a fantastic achievement for Slochneil. The Slochneil men's footballers will join the Slochneil women in Croke Park in the All-Ireland club finals. The pitch is full of Slochneil supporters. The management team are getting bear hugs and backpats. We're going to Dublin. <laughs> While the younger Slochneil fans are jumping around with excitement, there's a calm group of men out in the centre of the pitch. One to go. We'll be taking Dublin by storm then. These are four older Slochneil members. They've been training children's teams for years, and now it's time to take a bit of credit. See that team there? I had them when they were under 12. And were they all afraid of you? <laughs> they were. Were they? There were one boy. There were one boy. And he lay down in front of the goals. My, one of my players, he lay down in front of the goals. And he, I run over to him and I says, what's wrong? What's wrong? I says, I'm well badly hurting. And I says, get up to F, F. Should your leg be broke? I says, and get out of there. The other team's coming. And does Mammy come down to you and give out no, to you? No, she didn't. <laughs> and, and we won the match. It's a few days after the footballers have won their semi-final and it's now the hurlers' turn in the spotlight. Working and working and working and breaking them down. They're out training, but they're not in Slochneil. The football assistant manager was right about the Slochneil pitch. It really is breaking down through all the use, so the hurlers have been lent a pitch by the JA club in Ballymcgregan. Coming over on the road from Slochneil, lampposts are hung with election posters. The Northern Irish Assembly elections are on. Slochneil hurlers will be playing their semi-final against a team from Dublin. They'll come with their fancy fuck and push yet from Dublin. They like their nice hurling. You'll see it in the DVDs. The media interest in Slochneil is growing. TG Cahar are here doing a report on the club. A couple of the Irish-speaking players are giving interviews. Nearby is one of the hurling managers, Joe McCluskey. He's answering the same question for me. What's the secret with Slock Neil? Why are they doing so well in 2017? One thing he says is the relationship between the club and the individual. Sometimes, he says, if the club needs the individual, it'll go after them. We don't lose people. We don't let people walk away. We'll go and we'll get them, we'll, we'll lift them, we'll pull them out of their bed. We'll just do whatever it takes to, that they come up to the pitch because... And they're saying to you, it's not a cult. I have a choice whether I go play or not. It is. But you don't want to be shamed either by, the, by your, and of your children shamed and your children's children shamed by the man that walked away. Then, according to Joe, there are times when the individual needs the club for their own sense of identity. So there's a great sense of pride of where we're from, our Irishness. Mm -hmm. Any other part of the country, that means, you know, you're feeling Irish, but in this part of the country that has political overtones as well, doesn't it? Does. It does. Probably shouldn't have any political overtones, but I suppose when you feel oppressed, you need something to cling to, a crutch to cling to after... Being oppressed, we are thankfully moved on. I was disappointed, in, and it's probably because I come from a sheltered southern setup. But I was in Swatra the other day, yeah, and there's an election on, and all the posters are Sinn Fein. Mm -hmm. And then I went down the road to the next Garva. village, Garva, yeah, and all the posters are unionists. Yeah. 
that's just the, the nature of, I guess, the geography and the top, topography of the area, that you can be in what's deemed a, a nationalist area and you could drive two minutes and you're then in a unionist area. So yeah. that's the makeup of us, I guess. It's the Slough Neil Hurler's turn. Can they follow the footballers and the camogie team to the All-Ireland Finals in Croke Park? Can they help Slough Neil get a treble? We're in Armagh, February 25th, 2017. So we're going to head to Armagh for Slough Neil against Kula in the All-Ireland Club Hurling semi-final. The Slough Neil Hurlers are warming up in the pitch. While over on the sideline, I'm masking the assistant manager I met at the training, Joe, about the fans. Well, there's Dermot Donnelly behind him, you Frank McMullen. He turns around to the stand and starts naming the Slocknail supporters, all dressed in maroon and white. Borden's and the wife. Liam was just from the crossroads. But the Slocknail fans are making hardly any sound compared to the opposing fans, Kula. Some of them have their tops off and are wearing body paint. These are the Kula Ultras. They're organised, they have chant leaders and they sing all the way through the game. Joe says Slockneil are up against us with Kula today. I think we're all massive underdogs. Thank you guys, good afternoon from the Arma Athletic Grounds, maroon and white. The game begins. Kula haven't taken long to settle into the match. Ten minutes in and they're all over Slockneil. O'Callaghan out for goal! Brilliant! And that's the way it remains. Slockneil are no match for Kula. And the final whistle sounds, it's cool as day. The Slockneil hurlers have lost. They're not going to Croke Park with the footballers and the Camogues. That part of the dream is over. They're not going to have a trouble. Just beaten by a better team on the day. Yeah, The post-match reaction from the Slockneil fans is a surprise, though, even from children. I think it was great. You did? Yeah. Good girl, you enjoyed it? Yeah, but I'm sad that Slockneil didn't win. Oh, yeah. What do you think they could have done to win? Scored nine more points. But we're bid by a better team. The four Slockneil elders are outside too. These are the four older men who we heard from after the football semi-final. We will be back. We haven't gone away, you know. <laughs> See you later, alligator. <laughs> that alligator comment is in reference to the DUP's Arlene Foster using the term crocodiles when speaking of Sinn Féin's demands in Stormont. So, the Slockneil hurlers are gone. It's the footballers and Camogues left. The All-Ireland Camogie final is on next in Croke Park. But first, the Camogues have to attend a get-together in the GA club. In the car park outside, a little girl is walking across with a pen and paper in her hand. She approaches two young women standing nearby in tracksuits and holding hurls. Can I have her autograph? You want her autograph? Yeah. Will you introduce us? Tell us who she is. I don't know her <laughs> She just knows her playing the team. Good girl. My name is Mary. Mary. I'm one of the forwards. Mary Kelly is on the senior camogie team. I try to do a bit of scoring in the meantime, but no, not always. She scored the decisive goal that put Slough Neil into the final in Crow Park. What age are you? 
Six. Six, do you play for us? Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good girl, keep at it. You're going to do great. <laughs> I haven't been asked my autograph yet, mate. <laughs> Jolene Bradley is the team goalie. I'm just trying to adjust what suits me the best. They're showing me their newly equipped gym. There was a big um, draw. Geez, a lot of men, women were out selling every night all around Ulster and even probably down south as well. And ended up we got this gym now. And St Vincent's, what, they're sponsored by one of the biggest banks and we were sponsored by just a local shop down the town. So just goes to show. Mary says that camogie is so important to her that she's put her career on hold. I remember Jolene's ma kept asking my ma just down the butchers, you know, is Miss Mary not got a job yet? And my ma always turned and says, no, nah, she's holding out to this camogie's over till she finds something closer to home. And in, in, other, in other parts of the country, and not just with GAA, girls tend to give up around 15, 14 or 15, playing games, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do, aye. Aye. And why does that not happen here? Because I think it's because we're more rural. It's, I think that's a tendency for the likes of the urban sort of city based, you know, the, next to the towns and that. I think they just seem to get into other things. And I'm not going to say anything in particular, but like, I'm not being stereotypical either. But like when we were growing up, it was like on a Friday night, you'd be going to the youth club and you would bring your hurl up with you and you'd be out pucking about, you know, and like that was, you just, that was your pastime really. You just went up, everybody went up to the pitch and all met up and pucked about, you know, and also. It was more of an escape zone, you know, when you ever had like a crappy day at school or you, you've come home and your mum and daddy's nagging at you about something, you know, coming up here was an escape zone to clear the mind and just get that ball headed up against the wall. It was, it's good. It's, it's good not even your teenagers, even now, like if you're, something happened at work or anything, you just, you get the hurl and put it in the car and go up and head it against the wall and just a bit of freedom away from everybody. When you're living out here, it's all, it's all we have, like we've nothing else. After the training, the Camogues go into the GAA Hall, where there's a family night on in advance of the All-Ireland Club final. Uh, it's a get-together. It's all family and friends and the usual. Every time something happens in Slatineal, everybody gathers together and supports each other. Older people standing in clusters around the, the walls, children racing around in the middle of the floor, playing chasing. And then a group of them are going around in a cluster, a group of little girls going around getting autographs and getting their jerseys signed by the, the Camogie players. Signing my life away. So you're signing no, the back of her shirt? Yes, I'm just signing my autograph. Very good. Which, which is what? What's your name? Eilish Nikasaja. Eilish Nikasaja is part of a story that's being told about Slough Neil in the national media. Her father, Thomas Cassidy, died in the autumn and a few days after his death, Ailish and her two sisters and two of her brothers went out and played for Slough Neil and won the Ulster titles in hurling and camogie. Thomas Cassidy had brought camogie and hurling to Slough Neil. He'd also campaigned for the reintroduction of Irish into the area. And Thomas Cassidy's name comes up again a few days later. This is the car park of Slough Neil GAA Club. It's the day of the All-Ireland Club camogie final in Dublin and there are buses standing by to bring players and supporters. As the camogie players are getting on their bus, they're telling me what they have in their bags. Look, I've got a few sweets to keep us going after the match. Have to you? tell the truth, I do indeed, I. Ed Sheeran. Anything Ed Sheeran, yep. <laughs> I listen to really sad love songs. <laughs> By who? Codeline. Straighteners, a hairdryer. You do not. Oh, God, I. And it turns out all of the camogie panel are wearing a memento of Thomas Cassidy. Nothing special, the scapulars are on just. Really? Which colour? Brown. A scapular is a small holy picture which you wear around your neck. What does a brown scapular mean? 
For us, it was it's just an internal thing, just in relation to Thomas. Thomas Cassidy's three daughters are on the bus, heading to play in the All-Ireland Club Camogie final in Dublin. Crook Park in Dublin. The Slough Neil Camogie team are spread out, warming up on the pitch. One man is out among them in a tracksuit and he's giddy with anticipation. Ah, you know, it's brilliant. You know, Crook Park, you grew up dreaming of it, so it's good, good to be here in front of our own fans. He's the Camogie assistant manager, Damien McEldowney. Damien is dashing around from player to player. As he gets to each player, he stops and leans into them. From a distance, it looks like he's listening to them, sort of hearing confessions on the run, but it turns out he's talking to them. Straight today, he's running at them straight, straight for goals. He's giving them individual pep talks. Ready for the call, Kelowna. All right, on the toes, always ready. Normal game, G, normal game. And one on that dirty ball, playing a ring up the wings, all right? The All-Ireland Club Camogie final begins. JB! It is Schlockneil of Derry against Sarsfields of Galway. Schlockneil were, of course, hugely... The teams are well-matched. Ah, come on, Ref! But five minutes into the second half, Schlockneil's Mary Kelly comes true. She scores a goal. Then, in the final minutes, Slochniel's Elish Nichasaja, Thomas Cassidy's daughter, put Slochniel's victory beyond doubt. Yes! have won. They are the All-Ireland Club Camogie champions. They have beaten Sarsfields of Galway on a full-time score of 110 for Schlockneil and 11 points for Sarsfields. The press photographers asked Mary Kelly and a couple of other players to crouch down for a photo. Then the rest of the panel rush over and pile on top of them. It's a laughing mass of maroon and white, limbs, hair, hurls and happiness. In the stands, one Slockneil fan is standing beaming down on the scene. But when she talks to me, it turns out she should be far from smiling. Oh, I'm delighted my wee girl came on as a sub to number 17 and we buried her granny yesterday. Um, it's oh, fantastic. Sorry to hear that. No, no, it's just fantastic. Oh, was it your mum or her my dad? My mum, my mum. Just from one high to another. One a low to high. It's great. So it is. But things don't stand still for Slockneil. Just as the Camogie players are coming off the pitch, the Slockneil footballers are coming on. Their All-Ireland final is here in two weeks' time in Croke Park and they're being given 20 minutes to get a feel for the pitch. On the buses back to Slockneil, the passengers have their smartphones out. On the players' bus, the Camogues are checking Snapchat and Instagram to see what's being shared about them. Here on the supporters' bus, the young lads down the back are gathered around a phone singing along with YouTube videos of rebel songs.
We're coming into Mahara. It's about three miles from Slocknil GAA grounds and it's the home of their rivals, the Glen GAA Club. Time for a bit of gloating. Are they any good? Are they any good? Yeah. Did they ever get to an all final? Did they ever win Oscar? It's very late at night, but the supporters have gathered at the club to welcome the Camogues home. In the corridor, the four Slockneal elders are here. The Northern Assembly election results have come out. Sinn Féin have got within one seat of Arlene Foster's DUP. Some, at a summer weekend for us, we bit Arlene Foster first, and then we won the All Ireland Camogie. <laughs> The DUP's Arlene Foster was mired in a scandal over wood pellet boilers. What do you think they should do about her? Hey! Put, put her in one of them boilers! Put her in one of the boilers! Here go ahead, Sean. Ladies and gentlemen. Then the Camogues come in and the crowd parts as they process up to the stage. The players are all in a circle on the stage with their arms over each other's shoulders and they're bouncing in time to the music. There were lots of speeches, including one from the captain, Ife one of Thomas Cassidy's daughters, the man who had brought hurling and camogie to the club and who died during the season. There'd be so many other people that would be so proud of us today that aren't here to see us in the hall. Um, Daddy. <laughs> now it's the turn of the Slocknail footballers. It's St Patrick's Day 2017 and the All-Ireland Club football final is on in Dublin. The footballers are already in a hotel in Newlands Cross in Dublin. They have no mobile phones and they are not allowed any contact with anyone outside the team. Back on the supporters bus during the three-hour journey to Dublin. Going through Mahara, I'm told that the last remaining unionist housing estate in the town is known as the Gaza Strip. Then the bus stops in traffic in Mahara and the bus driver sees a traffic warden putting a ticket on a car. He opens his window and leans out, saying, you wouldn't do that on the 12th. The point being the traffic wardens work on St. Patrick's Day, the nationalist holiday, but not on the 12th of July, the unionist holiday. Then east towards Belfast, where we pass signs protesting against a new road. The land earmarked for the road widening is wetland used by migrating birds and made famous by the poet Seamus Heaney, who grew up around here. One of the supporters on the bus, Barry, remembers Heaney. I guard sponsor Seamus Heaney. And was he writing at that stage? Oh, he would have been now. Did you tell him it was no good? <laughs> the writing? No. <laughs> tell him he was no good at guarding spots. Get up on your knees. <laughs> Today is significant for Barry not just because his football team are in Croke Park, but more seriously, it's the first anniversary of his brother's death in the States. 
His brother was in exile there, having been in the IRA, and he died from natural causes. Maybe heart failure or something like that there. And has he killed people? I don't know. So I never asked. You don't ask people that. Surely you do. No. If somebody says I'm in the IRA, do you not say, why not? I don't know. You see that as their own private. We know. You didn't. You never asked anybody to ever kill anybody. No. Barry's getting agreement from the man beside him, Sean. They talk about telling the stories of the troubles within the community and how important it is to keep those stories from younger people. Sean says the older people know those stories well and as a result, they aren't as easy with the other side as the younger people are. He's 28 and he says he's glad he doesn't remember the troubles in the way older people do. I'm clueless at the end of the day. Still know where I come from though, what your roots are, but just a wee bit, not saying any more educated. But I wouldn't have as probably as much hatred towards the other side as they would. But the stories of the troubles thrust themselves into the journey. Driving through Belfast, one of the two men, Barry, goes quiet. We're passing a spot where a man he worked with was murdered. They were doing building work on the nationalist side of a fence when somebody fired shots from the loyalist side. Barry was the first to the body. I thought at first that he was drunk. I always knew that he always took a few beers every evening and I thought, oh, you're drunk, what are you doing? I thought he was carrying on, but... And then I realised he was shot because I could see the blood coming up through his jumper. So I just blessed him and threw my coat over him and his eyes rolled back in his head. What age were you? 18. Finally, we come off the motorway and into Drumcondra in Dublin and Barry remarks on the atmosphere. You're more relaxed down here. The minute you cross over, that's it. <coughs> Seems... It's like a different world. Even now? Even now, this day, your whole body changes. I don't care, you just like nearly... Just, your whole mind just goes away. The minute you get out of that other atmosphere. Come on, Lucas, play it off with his condolences this afternoon from Park to the families and our Coast Guard involved in the tragedy off the coast of Mayo on Monday night. Croke Park, the All-Ireland Club football final is about to begin. Slochneil footballers are about to play Dr Crokes from Killarney. Can the footballers from Slochneil do what the Camogues did and bring home an All-Ireland trophy? Maybe, or maybe not. Dr Crokes have, playing for them, the legendary Cullum Gooch Cooper. Slochneil get off to a great start. 13 minutes in, Paddy Cassidy gets the ball and scores a goal. Eight minutes later, though, Dr. Croke's Colum Cooper replies. The game is tight, but then disaster for Slochneil. Paddy Cassidy, the goal scorer, is knocked over on the sideline, right in front of the linesman. He turns around and lashes out and whacks the Dr. Croke's player in the privates. Morris! Morris! The Slochneil managers know they're in trouble. They remonstrate with the ref, Morris Deegan. Morris! It's not that bad. The other officials stand in front of them. You let them make their decisions, lads. Thank no, you. It's not that bad. For the first time in three years since Mickey Moran came with his cool head, a Slochneil player is booked. Red card. He's off. Hey, Polly. Bad decision, son. Dr. Crokes hold on to their advantage and finish the game two points ahead. The Slochneil footballers have lost. Dr. Crokes are the All-Ireland Club football champions for 2017.
The Slocknia players are on the ground or standing, heads bowed. In the stands, the Slocknia supporters feel betrayed. Some of them think there's a north-south thing going on. It's always the same when the northern team comes down here. They don't want to see the cup going back up over the border. This woman recalls an incident in a pub toilet the day before where some Kerry supporters started chanting at Slough Neil supporters. Go on home, you British bastards, go on home. Come down here, it's been insulted by your own game. Down below in the tunnel, two Slough Neil men hug briefly and sob. It's the sports reporter and his brother, the goalie. And then out on the pitch, while everyone is turned towards the podium where the speeches are going on, there's a scene of intense intimacy. The Slocknia player who was sent off, Paddy Cassidy, is standing with his hands on his hips and his head down. Beside him is one of the coaches, a young man around his own age. The coach is right up against him with his face nuzzled into the side of Paddy's head. It's loud in the stadium, so he has to be close to be heard, but the coach is not shouting. He's talking gently. The speeches are too loud to hear what he's saying on mic, but the coach is telling the player that all that was ever asked of him was that he do his best and get a goal. And he did that. He gave his all. He has nothing to be ashamed of. This is a proud day for him and for Slock Neil. The two men locked together like that in consolation look like a statue. And then it's all over. Slock Neil head back home. Croke Park clears of people and you can hear the grass hissing again. <laughs> <laughs>